Welcome to Prince Among Queens, featuring your host, Troy Bronstein. In this program, Troy speaks to some of the most talented recording artists in the music business. You'll hear the stories, as well as the stories behind the stories. What's big, what's now, what's next? You'll get the updates right here. Now, here's Troy Bronstein. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show, Prince Among Queens. I'm your host, Troy Bronstein. If you'd like to email me, you can do so at Troy at T-BestTalentAgency.com. And if you'd like to call in to speak to our special guest today, you can do so on 866-472-5787. Okay, once again, we are going on uh, the show here from Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. So if we have any uh, odd sounds or anything that happen, please bear with us. Uh, it's Mexico, so things, things happen down here. We'd also like to have, um, this week we're doing a special King's edition, and our special guest is a gentleman that I've known for many, many years. He's toured the world. He's a singer, songwriter, DJ, remixer, uh, Grammy-nominated, Mr. Tony Moran. Hi, Troy. Hi, everybody out there. Thank you for welcoming (laughs) me to your show. Hey, Tony. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm missing Puerto Vallarta right now, though I will be there a few days from now. There you Um, go. There you go. We'll get a chance to see you while you're here right before I leave. Absolutely. (laughs) I'd also like to uh, put out a welcome and thank you to some of the new listeners from the Netherlands and Australia and Mexico uh, has chimed in here, probably because we're doing it from here. So we're getting some listeners on that, rounding it off. So I'd like to thank everyone for listening. And Mr. Moran, let's dig right into you. So you basically were um, raised and uh, born. Were you born in New York as well? No. I was I'm from Brooklyn, New York, born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. Okay. And I uh, was a New Yorker for, you know, most of my life. And so I had the opportunity to go and investigate the world and, you know, try to find a place that was going to be right for me. Uh, I lived in Miami. I lived in Los Angeles. And then eventually found my home in Birmingham, Alabama, um, uh, to find a balance sheet for how to handle this constant lifestyle of electricity that we're in <laughs> and, and have like some place where I could just, you know, just chill. I certainly am not chill compared to other Birminghamians. I guess right. now that I know how to pronounce that, particularly like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I did, uh, you know, living in the middle of all the electricity and being part of the electricity, it was like, I was just trying to find a way to balance how to create, socialize. I did buy a place in Puerto Vallarta. So, so, you know, now I go there like in between to kind of be Mm -hmm. more in my natural habitat, I guess. Uh, (laughs) um, But from Brooklyn. Yeah. So straight out of Brooklyn and then I just found myself to to try different places and, uh, talking to you right now from Birmingham, Alabama. Ah, well, welcome, welcome. One of the things I, I saw, I found that that was interesting that I, I didn't know about you is that um, you were involved in, in many groups. And I, I'm going to get to that in a minute because basically when, when your career started and people always say, you know, they don't know if the music found Tony Moran or if Tony Moran found the music because you're involved in so many different things and have been successful in so many different things. But um. I guess in in the eighties you uh, teamed up with um, Albert Cabrera, Cabrera, right? And you guys are the Latin called the Latin Rascals. Yes, sir. And that's where you took regular, you know, uh, 
airplayed songs and then you mixed them and gave them kind of your the tribal house uh, infused with that and um you guys started having your music played on um wktu back in the day in, in new york and um how, how was that when uh, i mean how did that basically come about being with your friend you just decided to do this as as like a mashup or or well i mean i was a like a street dj so i mean growing up in brooklyn it was you know like many other urban cities like you know it was all about the black party and um and so because it was all i could call it back then was a hobby since i did have an obligation to my parents to go to school and do my best to try to at least take advantage of having an education that's available in the united states since they were they were, I'm second generation, they were first generation. So, you know, as long as I did okay in school, you know, they granted me the hobby living in, you know, in, in a tenement apartment building to, you know, make speakers on my own and, you know, uh, find broken turntables and, you know, teach myself how to like, you know, fix them and then use them to, you know, to, uh, I guess when music, transition music, but, in respect to the Latin rascals, particular, particularly, we were both DJs and we just kind of DJed in the neighborhood, house parties, sweet 16s, bar mitzvahs, whatever, whoever's in the neighborhood. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I don't know how many bar mitzvahs I did, but I know I did a lot of sweet 16s. Um, and then what wound up happening is that I started working in a record store in New York City called Downtown Records as a part time job after school. And the reason I got a part time job there, or I tried to get one, was because I could not afford to buy music really? vinyl. And so, you know, with just an allowance. And and so I started working, you know, at the record store for a salary, like whatever that was back then. And just at the end of every week, I would just cash in like what I was gonna get based on how many pieces of vinyl I got. And so I really worked for vinyl. And um, as I was trying to figure out, I didn't know that DJing or music or, you know, things related to the entertainment field were going to be part of my destiny. All I know is that I love this now. You know, it's almost like being in a, in a band in high school and you want to be the guitar player and you, want, you feel like you're a part of something. And so for me, you know, to play music or to play it in the streets or to make a cassette for friends, it to me was just like almost the greatest gift I could give to myself to share how I want to express myself to others and then see their appreciation from that. Um, right. And Albert was very much the same person. Maybe he's not so like a, he says it in a much shorter way, which is what made the Latin Rouse for such a great entity. Because I mm-hmm. guess, you know, I guess so enthusiastic, I don't know how to stop. And he <laughs> really does it by course of action. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, while I'm talking about making, doing something or working on an edit, you know, he would already be working on the edit. And then I would say, I was like, hold on, give me a second. And then I would work on something. And so what the Latin Rascals had created that had not yet been put at that level is that Albert Cabrera and I started doing tapes, like special uh, DJ music sets, you know, like you would see in a podcast or something like that today on mm-hmm. a radio station called KTU. The person who was the program director at that radio station named Carlos de Jesus, which is very pioneering program director because what he did was not just play music that came out commercially he would go and hunt in record stores looking for that song that eventually would become the pet shop boys a pet shop boy song right. or a song that would become a culture club song or and so on and so on and so on 
because, you know, music that was coming out of the United Kingdom or other countries around the world who did inspire American music. And so I got to sell imports, which were very rare because they were imports and a couple of copies would come. And so when I was doing my DJ tapes, you know, as a 16 year old, I just needed to play for everybody. This is the most important thing I've ever done. You know what right. I mean? I've only been around the, on the planet. I've only been talking for 11 years out of those 16 <laughs> years, but all I seem to talk about is about music. And what I was doing at that time is I had bought a used reel to reel in New York City at one of those fairs where they kind of sell everything. Like you could go buy food, you could buy used, you know, broken equipment, you could buy plumbing things. It was in New York, like a flea market. Right. And I bought a reel-to-reel there, and you know, I guess that my gift was that since I bought the reel-to-reel without instructions, but because I was such a fan of Chef Pettibone, who had a DJ show on WKTU and on 98.7 Kiss FM, he would do this thing to the music that I was loving. Let's just say, for instance, salsa classics or a disco song or something, and he would repeat it via this mechanical function called editing where the music is actually on physical tape and via using a pause button or using a razor blade and actual tape you can repeat things extend them and that was the art that created the extended dance club mix of today it was wow. just you know an intro being extended and then yeah then of course Georgia Moroda took that to another level and then created a 13 minute version of Love to Love You Baby or a 16 minute version right. but really that all started out with edits nobody records a song that's 16 minutes long right you have to edit it and after i saw this uh, heard this person chef pettibone using that edit and repeating things then both albert cabrera and myself as friends said well that's just not in it's super interesting. I'm super into it. But what if we took multiple pieces from different parts of the songs, repeated them, and created new rhythms out of them, and then somehow make that into the actual arrangement that seems natural for an extended mix? It got played on the radio, these things that we were doing just as kids without any real knowledge. And then I get a call from my world-renowned producer, Arthur Baker, saying, what did you just do to my freaking Cindy Lauper record? You know what I mean? And I was like, well, you know, he called my mother, my mother's house, because I had to get it from the radio station. <laughs> and then um, and then he calls my mother, gets me on the phone, and then says, I want you to do that to the next Cindy Lauper release. Next thing I know, I'm in this humongous recording studio. I don't know how anything in there operates. And then I guess part of my this natural within me is that, you know. He says, look, you know, these are the tapes, these are the songs. There's about, you know, 50 tapes that have versions of the song that are like 30 minutes long. I need to sift for you to sift through all of this data. I feel like I was in a hidden figures movie. Mm-hmm. I need to take all this data and then compile it and turn it into an arrangement. Well, that's then, where you have the knack. You know, you, you've got the talent to, to be able to, you know, grasp that. And you, you mentioned, you know, if, if, about a minute ago in, in talking, you had mentioned Real to Real. I heard, I heard Real to Real coming out of your mouth and that just took me back you know for a lot of people that don't even know back in the day I mean I remember I had I still have today um uh one of Sylvester's hits uh, do you want to funk I have the reel to reel on that and I remember going in the the booth when he was performing and put this 
reel to reel on. And I, that's what you played. Now we just go in and have a little flash drive. It's, you know, real simple and easy. So, so I was pretty much still in that era of technology. And, you know, and then I had learned that, you know, on a reel to reel that you can overdub things and repeat them um, and, you know, and then manipulate them. And so for me, manipulation was more like rearranging and then rearranging was kind of an art that I hadn't discovered yet. And what wound up happening is that all of a sudden, you know, I worked on, you know, as I worked on my first song, one of my first songs, which was swept away by Diana Ross, mm-hmm. and given the responsibility to arrange a song like, <laughs> you know what you're doing, you know what I mean? And I guess I barely coasted on that with Alba Cabrera and we made it very interesting where in the days and those times of the eighties, you know, like artists came in and they called all the levels of whoever is involved, like an engineer, uh, background singer or whatever. And, you know, and then Diana Ross calls me up to tell me that to take out some of Daryl Hall's vocals out of the song that I'm overusing it. And I'm just the editor, but I had the ability to use all of these various parts and components and versions and variations and, recalls and then put it together and then after that you know uh, we got hired to work on born in the usa by bruce springsteen when mm-hmm. bruce springsteen walking into the room and then in pet shop boys and all opportunities and all and so what happened is what we became these kids like little scientists like it's like going there like these kids are freaking crazy they have tape all over the wall and they're working on all this big time music <laughs> and even though the producer is so important what they're doing is next level so it almost like we were walking in like I felt like we were in an Aliens movie and like people would just come and swing by and like Mick Jagger. I'm only dropping names because I'm so fascinated. What would generate that level of interest? Of course, right. all that I have is interest in new things and new reasons that would, you know, motivate you to be interesting. And working around not just the artists. So the artists are really the names of people that I'm talking about, but Really, I was in the room or in a recording studio all the time that also had the engineers, had uh, background singers, had managers, had singers that were waiting in a waiting room to kind of do their American Idol moment or whatever. And I was just really in this, um, what do you call it? When you call it like, you know, I'm in the midst of this, like, uh, there's a word for it where all these different things come together, melting pot, melting pot of, of creative energy. And the one thing that we all had in common is we love talking about what we love to do. Singer right. talking about singing, a writer talking, love talking about writer, a musician love talking about music and an editor would love talking about edits. And it was still the same level of conversation. And with that, the Latin Rascals, Albert and, I, and Cabrera and myself got our first, got our education and the components of musicality for the people that we were around, which hence, you know, uh, came forth when, you know, when we started writing our own music to show me, and then I produced the Fat Boys. Our first song sold a million albums, like for the Fat Boys, and right. and you know when we when we did Cover Girls and all many of these instrumentalists and artists, Fred McFarlane, who worked on Somebody Else's Guy, who was like the lead, you know what I mean? You know, sweet sweet love, you know what I mean? A piano player. <laughs> You know, but there was a real piano player there at that time. You know what I mean? That's the that's the difference of you know now to then. And you were like 
like right in the melting pot with the real people, you know, doing the stuff. And that's why, you know, people always say back in the day that was music. You know, there's still music uh, today, but that's was real music, real musicians. It and, was it, it was a for yeah, it was sort of such a free flowing form of expressing yourself because people. So I guess you know if you go to New York or in Puerto Vallarta, which I've gone to some you know, different bars there where somebody goes up and someone starts playing the piano and then a singer just comes up and she's not really doing a rehearsed set. She's just like singing songs. Maybe they've done it before. Right. But there's just an organic level. Let's get this. Let's do this. And so that's what we were. And so, yeah. And so the guy who happened to be in the room that day was David Cole or Andy Wallace who worked on Alana. You know, the guy who produced Alanis Morissette engineered Show Me About the Cover Girls. Right. And, uh, and the background singers to that are you know, Bruce Springsteen's background singers. And so as I was learning about what melody and lyrical content meant to me, they helped me really. They're not even, they're not even my big sisters. We were all the same age, these singers. I'm working on movie soundtracks for, um, you know, this movie soundtrack called Beat Street. And it had, it just, it had so many musicians and creative people there. And all along the way, you know, people wouldn't mind dropping in the room and either giving me advice or just saying, oh, it's cool. Or, because, you know, you, because you guys were on fire then and they like that. And we're going to take our first uh, commercial break here and we're going to actually play uh, the first. Um, I know. Did you you wrote the song, right? You wrote. Did I you wrote Andrew Cabrera and Albert Cabrera. Yeah. From the Cover Girls, which was a massive hit. And uh, uh, show me. Um, we're going to play it right now and we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with more with Tony Moran. This is Crystal Waters, and you're listening to my favorite prince, Troy Bronstein, on Prince Amongst Queens on voiceamerica.com. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day, we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control, and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. 
The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all of our show archives on demand, all from your iOS, Amazon Kindle, or Android device. Download it from the Apple App Store, Amazon, or Google Play, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Dive on in. That's right. Dive on into my favorite prince among queens, Troy Bronstein. You tell him Debbie Holiday sent you. You're listening to Prince Among Queens with Troy Bronstein. To reach the show today, call into 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You can also reach out by email to Troy at t-besttalentagency.com. Now, back to Prince Among Queens. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Tony Moran. And um, just on a quick note, because I heard on our lead in there, the little shout out from Debbie Holiday, which, Tony, you had that um, the track with, um, with Debbie on, um, which was one of my yeah. favorite songs, I Like You, from Phyllis Nelson. Oh, I loved working on that song with her. The, Oh, that was such a great song. Such a great song. How was that working with Debbie? Um, before we she, get into the rest of the stuff. Um, you know, she's great. And we worked on two songs. One was called Surrender Me. And then the other one was called I Like You. And, um, you know, even with the just amount of people that I've worked with before, you know, I've had a lot of people that have had an insecure, insecure position of who they need to be versus who they want to be, who everybody expects them to be. And then you get the occasional very, very unique person like Debbie Holiday that she needs to be who mm-hmm. she needs. She needs to express herself as Debbie Holiday. She's not a chameleon. She is a singer with an identity and she puts that out there for better or for worse. And I give her so much credit for that. And what I mean by worse, meaning that it's a, you know, sometimes to work hard for something is less than an easy experience. Right. You know that it's worth the work in order to, you know, in order to retain your identity. It just really has so much to do over time with, you know, you know, accepting that you've chosen the path of being an artist. Yeah. Yeah. I talked about that with her when she was on the show. She's got such a powerful voice and such a, you know, positive outlook on things. I mean, I just, I love her. I love her to death. She's yeah, a great person. As do I. So back to you now. So um, we were talking about the the Latin rascals. And then I noticed, which is one of the things I was saying in the beginning that I didn't really know about um, you, but there was a bunch of different groups. Now, this could be correct information. It could be, you know, non-correct, but I have down um, and it could have been, you know, I, I looked at one of the things and it looked like it was a maybe a, co- a compilation of a bunch of you together. So it wasn't just like you and, you know, one other person like um, uh, you had before, like you and Warren Rigg, but there was like legends of style and soul to the rhythm, 
I mean, yeah. were those like compilation albums that that, yeah, that, that so, put you as a group or? Well, what happened is that, you know, as I was like, you know, growing in music, I felt like I had to kind of like put that like pseudonym or what do you call it? Like I just had to give another name. So mm-hmm. what I was doing, especially uh, as Troy had mentioned earlier, like, you know, I had really gotten my first break working on a genre of music that, you know, that had been accredited to being part of that genre existing in the first place along with other great producers um, um, to work on this kind of sound called freestyle. And mm-hmm. the sound of freestyle is, you know, ultimately became commercial pop music. But at that time it was like Latin street music. And, um, you know, the, one, of the, one of the downsides of being either really popular or being the best or being known for that or that being your brand is that sometimes that, that, that wave goes by and it goes down right. and it becomes less popular, just like disco. Like, you know, when disco died, it was like a horrible death. Same things happened, rock and roll music or all kind, any kind of music. And, um, and so when, when freestyle went through this, you know, unfortunate demise of lack of pop- popularity, it also had affected, you know, me having relationships with different people from different record companies and stuff from love from people like that. And then, you know, being like, that's, the, that's last, that's yesterday's story. Right. Those, guys, those kids. And so then I just started going there and created new names for myself. And then I started releasing my own music because I realized that, you know, coming from the streets and building my own stuff, I much rather have a big underground record that right. goes from there than just being hired. Yes. Yeah, you know, I love working for Gloria Stefan. I love working for Cher. I love working on, 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 on so much of that music. It means so much to me. But building up, building stuff from scratch where you have to work where you have to work on it from scratch um, is my work ethic. That's you know? your talent. That's a talent. And you are fortunate enough to have that, that talent. Right. And so then I created these other names in order for people to like, take the Tony Moran component or the Latin rascal component out of that and then just listen to the music. And then mm-hmm. from then, and if it became popular, then of course, yes, I, I do credit myself with things that I have done. Um, <laughs> But uh, and then and it didn't and, become popular. Then you didn't say anything. <laughs> but, but then what, what wound up happening is like how many every year is fast forwarded. You know, I'm you know I'm glad that I didn't give myself a name like, you know, Soul Searcher. I was like right. so, so my mom would say, oh yeah, you know my son is a Soul Searcher. I'd rather say that my mom is Anthony right. Moran, Tony Moran, and uh, and so I've been happy that I've been able to continue to you know, to make my music and do it without having to, you know, to, to take it a step further outside of my name. And you know what? It's like, I love Tiesto. I love Dead Mouse. I love all those things, whatever it takes to create that, to mm-hmm. be, you know, to be those things is great. And then I'm also just happy to be like Tony Moran. Like I have so much respect for now Rogers, <clears throat> Rogers or Mutt Lang being Mutt Lang or Ralphie Rosario being Ralphie Rosario or right. Vega. So, um, so I'm glad that I just kind of, you know, stayed, stayed with that. But again, with, with your talents and, and staying, you know, with that and your, um, your brand or, or, you know, whatever you want to call it, when you and uh, the, the Latin Rascals, you know, dismised or, or separated or whatever, however you want to call it, you stepped out again and did your own vocals and your own song 
And um, we're going to be playing on, on the next break, Dance With Me, which um, became your first hit, I believe, as a solo artist. So now you're yeah. a solo artist. Right, right, right. <laughs> so that was not my dream. Like uh, the singing, the singing thing really was because I was a songwriter. And then as a songwriter and the way that I had to communicate to the others, to the singers there, is I have to sing to them the melody, how the melody goes. You know, just like, you know, you have music and arrangers and I'd be like, well, it goes, show me, show me, you really love me. And you have to explain the notes. By the time that it got, you know, that, you know, some of my friends, so like right back then, you know, is uh, working with an artist called Sapphire. And I was working with a lot of big artists, you know, David Cole from CNC Music Factory played the keyboards on the song with Fred McFarlane, who worked on somebody else's guy. Uh, my vocal producer, background singer was Mark Anthony, along with Sapphire being engineered by Bob Rosa and Andy Wallace, who worked on Alanis Morissette. So I'm working on this like Latin ghetto freestyle music with the best engineers and some of the most talented people on earth at that moment and vocalists. And they were my vocal producers. They said, man, just sing on it. What the heck? Let's give it a funny name. Let's call it Arabian Nights. Let's just talk about stuff that's like not really <laughs> real. Let's talk about... And, um, and so, you know, when I went to sing it, I really, it's almost like being like a, you know, I felt like, you know, if anybody's ever seen the movie Rudy and like, you know, you go there and you go to bat, innings are down, you're the last one up, everyone expects you not to knock it out of the park and guess what you do. Yeah. yeah. So I don't, I, I, I've tried to re-sing that song like commercially, like for available release, like probably like 20 times after, because it was like, it just was one of those things that's been like a, albatross that i wish i could have just been better you know mm -hmm. what i mean but when it comes down to it it's like that's the way it was meant to be and right that sticks to them hey and, 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 yeah and it worked it worked for that time and um we're gonna um take a break now and we're going to play that song called dance with me that was tony's first hit as a solo artist and um we'll be back with more tony moran our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Hi, this is Jeannie Tracy. You're listening to our favorite prince, Roy Brunstein, on Prince Among Queens on VoiceAmerica.com. Are you ready for a broad look at everything to do with the world of sports? 
If so, tune in to the Mike Abadir Show. It's a unique perspective to the connections between sports and business. Host Mike Abadir has negotiated numerous deals in the NFL. Along with co-host Gino Bacola, Mike will bring his expertise, discussion, and some terrific guests to the airwaves. Listen live for the Mike Abadir Show every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Hi. This is Linda Clifford, and you're listening to A Prince Among Queens featuring Troy Bronstein. You're listening to Prince Among Queens with Troy Bronstein. To reach the show today, call into 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also reach out by email to Troy at t-besttalentagency.com. Now, back to Prince Among Queens. All right, everybody, welcome back. We are here with Mr. Tony Moran. And that's a motorcycle in here in Mexico that you just heard drive by. So I apologize for that. But um, uh, uh, Tony, some of your, you know, you have worked with, I mean, everybody. I mean, really, I mean, you've worked with everybody that you get you John Cicada, Barry Manilow, Michael Jackson, Gloria Estefan, Cheryl, Luther Andros. I mean, it goes on and on. And then you go on to the, you know, the dance artists with, you know, Christine W., Deborah Cox, Suzanne Palmer, Naya Day. I mean, it's, you've got over 800 singles, you know, you're nominated twice for, for a Grammy and what, who was, who influenced you? Who was your influence in this? Like I said earlier, we don't know if the music found Tony Moran or Tony Moran found the music. Uh, who influenced you musically? You know, I did, mean, um, initially, I did, I honestly, as I said, like, I didn't really dream about having my destiny becoming something that was musically. It just happened. Yeah. I just kept discovering one thing after the other. And then what winds up happening, I'm not trying to reach the next level, like to be a superstar or to be popular. I just needed to be involved in that. I needed mm-hmm. to understand what synthesizers were about. I needed to understand what it was like to not just watch people in the DJ booth, but to be able to find within myself what that is that I would want to share the most intimate parts of me with you on this on these on these hours on the dance floor where I am committed to being hundred percent there for you, which is what you know devoted artists like Nile Rogers from Chic, you know, uh, you know, the singers from Duran Duran that would hang out in the studio with me or you know Mick or Mick Jagger would come into the room, you know, and all that stuff. You know, they were dedicated to knowing that they needed, you know, to that they had to own their craft wherever it sat. And so Latin Rascals are, you know who we are, we we're, we're editors. And then I see, you know, being around songwriters and people working on rhythms, I just kept seeing, I kept feeling ideas going through my mind and being in that, you know, uh, being at the same place at the same time with people like that, they gave me an opportunity to express myself and then also help contribute to it, not financially, but creatively. And then that's why, you know, songs like Show Me uh, and, you know, uh, Hits Moving Forward, you know, I just had a lot of um, people weren't trying to tell me what I needed to do. They invested in my guiding myself to to finding like how to express an idea. 
I don't know. You know, so some sometimes people came come up to me and it's just like, I don't know. I think that's just like the greatest gift that an artist could pass to another is trying to find what you need to do to find what's what's what is within you to not to be like somebody else, to find out who you want to be, having people that you appreciate around you. I worked for Mutt Lang. I worked on Shania Twain albums and I would talk to the guy on the telephone and telling me to move a kick drum or to move an instrument. And now that I'm much older, like I can say, oh my God, I can't believe that I was in the room with, you know, any of these people. And then of course, by the time I got to, um, to you know, saying to myself, I need to convey these messages now and I've written them or collaborated on them, then I found a new place, a new, uh, not a new Tony Moran, but just like, you know, a liberated Tony Moran, where instead right. of playing like I was working for Cher and they had to sell 2 million albums and you had all kinds of music executives in there and all that stuff like that, then now I was working on Easy As Life with Deborah Cox, or I was working on Walk Away by Christine W, right. or I was working on <clears throat> Review All Over with Deborah Cooper and, you know, and then, you know, all of a sudden I just realized that I just can't stop, you know. See, just... you, not to cut you off, but you always thought, you know, out of the box, you had the the drive to to have something new. And that's why these people came to you. You know what I mean? You, you were the one that it was a natural ability of yours to do that. And here I am, I'm looking at you and I'm looking at your gold and platinum albums, you know, behind that you. That wasn't intentional. Because no, <laughs> I know, but those are there for a reason. You know what I mean? This is you. This is part of what you created. I mean, think back when we, you know, started this whole conversation, you know, when you were just doing like mashups type of thing, you know what I mean? But then you took that even to another level and then created everything that still has now come through the whole freestyle market and all that kind of stuff. And, and yet these major, major people are coming to you because they know that they can't think out of the box. You can. So here, Tony, what can you do for me? You know what I mean? How can you recreate my brand, my, my, my convey what I'm trying to sing in these vocals? Uh, well, know? how can you bring out the best in me when I'm, I'm, I'm my own worst critic? critic? So That's being true. Of, so being with a lot of these large scale art, artists or very talented artists, what it is is that they don't know what's the best of them, but somehow the producer's role is to let you know, you know what? Mm -hmm. that's, that's the one. Mm -hmm. That's the one we're going to keep it and we're going to keep it moving. And it really takes a lot to, as a producer, to build the trust between the producer and the artist when you know that they can say that. And it doesn't matter what note they sing, high, how, it, high, high, how high it is, how impressive it is, or whatever, it needs to be believable to me, even right. if you just talk it. And so, uh, again, through this, you know, this, this, this school of life with other musicians around me, that you know, they always have been more than willing to do it all again if they knew they could do it better. And so that's the way I feel about making my music and working on a lot of these anthems that you know, people call circuit anthems or gay anthems or show me or freestyle anthems or whatever. I, I can't tell you how many takes I did with every single artist to get it there. I was right. just dedicated to being there to know that that was, that I gave it my all. And I think that the artist is a very contagious feeling to give it to somebody like we're here for the duration, right? You know what right. I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, uh, and, you know, sometimes when I'm DJing at parties and it starts raining, I'm like, look, I'm here as long as you guys want to be here, but I'm not going to be the reason that you're leaving. Right. Like right. I will not let the, the rain on the parade 
mess up the parade if you want to hang out. Correct, correct. And, uh, and that applies, you know, that just goes on and on with the music ethics. You know, just on the phone with Todd Terry today, like Todd Terry, legendary producer, DJ, artist, and all that kind of stuff. He's like, you know, I'm trying to explain to him all of these like orchestral parts that are going in on something that he's going to remix. And he's like, you know, Tony, I got you. You know what I mean? It's like all this stuff that I'm saying, all these freaking adverbs and adjectives, and but it's truly, honestly, sincerely, like adequately. You know? Now, is there is there anyone? I mean, because you've worked, like I said, literally with. I mean, I can go on and on and on and on. Is there anyone that you'd love to work with that you haven't worked with? Is there anybody? Else um. You? Oh, I'm sure. I mean, there's a there's a long there's a long, there's a long list of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be honest, it's like at the top of my list, and really, I, you know, I signed this major publishing deal with, uh, you know, Gloria Stefan and Emilio Stefan, you know, like you know, a decade or so back, and you know, and so there were you know guarantees that needed to be part of that deal, which included producing John Takata, who's one of my all-time favorite crooners on the earth, and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like what he did was so special and I just needed to be in the room with him. So, you know, I was guaranteed to work with him as he was associated with that label. But out of all the people that I just wanted to know what it felt like to hear his voice through a microphone was George Michael. And, mm-hmm. you know, it never got to happen, even though I remixed songs for him and everything. And then, of course, it was Luther Vandross. And working with him is so surrealistic because, you know, you are the producer of his project, which was one of the most creative vocalists in the universe right. of all time. And then again, I'm there recording Celine Dion and I'm trying to explain to her how I would really be really appreciated if she changed this note to that note and just singing the note to Celine Dion. You know, it's like at that <laughs> point, I really wanted to change my name from Tony Moran to Unworthy because it was just, <laughs> because it was just surreal. But you know, that's what you do. Like that's what you do. Like when, you know, when you really, uh, you don't have to take your role more seriously than others. You're just, you're devoted to, um, to, to open yourself up to whatever is going to bring out your feelings, meaning that you have to open up yourself. Right. You know, maybe other producers aren't like that. Maybe some of them go in there and say, hey, yo, you need to go sing this. You need to do that. I'll be back. Or maybe some of them sing it. You know, when I think about uh, John Legend. I can't imagine what it must be like going into a studio with him and then suggesting to him how to sing something to sing, sing. emotion. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> oh yeah, man. You know, it's like maybe I think we should take a syllable out because then you'd be able to extend another syllable. You know, I couldn't imagine that. But, but then you have then you have artists like you know we were talking about the other day, like Jennifer Holiday. You know, she'll go in and she'll sing it one time and she'll nail it that one time, and she knows that's the best that she can do. And now she's like here. Now yeah. I did mine. Now you do your job and work with it. And you know, wow. you got to put it together. But you yeah, know, I mean, she did. She did give me producing her. Did give me reasons to find it within myself again. Like what my role is is to be there for uh-huh. them, and for as long as you know they want to give that energy, and they know when they knocked it out. Even if you feel differently as a producer, they're like, you know, and I've heard it. I just gave you Jennifer, okay? Like, <laughs> you know. My car is downstairs. I'm like, okay. Exactly. <laughs> she had done to me many, you know, quite a few times. And but I had to say, you know what? She did. You know what I mean? I was looking for 
for more because I just couldn't get enough of Jennifer. Right. Holliday. Yeah. You know, and that's when that's when this acclaimed producer is truly a little kid that's gotten a couple of you know of thumbs up for something. And I am the little kid. If I'm well, to share. Nothing, no. nothing wrong. Nothing wrong with that. And and speaking oh. of the little kid, we're gonna. Uh, take another break here and we're going to play uh, uh, a track from Christine W, which uh, walk away, which you did. And that went to number one on the charts and, you know, uh, there again. So it, it continues to continue. So we'll be right back with more of Tony Moran. America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Dive on in. That's right. Dive on into my favorite prince among queens, Troy Bronstein. You tell him Debbie Holiday sent you. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Hey, family, this is Robin S., and you're listening to Prince Among Queens with my brother from another mother, Troy Bronstein. Listening to Prince Among Queens with Troy Bronstein. To reach the show today, call into 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You can also reach out by email to Troy at T Best Talent Agency.com. Now, back to Prince Among Queens. Okay, we're back with more of Tony Moran, and um, in this sex, this last segment of the show, um, everybody knows how we do the favorites and get those done, and then we'll continue to talk about things after that. So, Tony, for you, the it's four favorites now instead of three. Like I said, there's your favorite city, your favorite show, your favorite song, and your favorite food on the road. 
Now we'll start with your favorite city. This could be a city that you just love to go to, whether you're working or you're not working. Right. So what would that be for you? What's Tony Moran's favorite city? My favorite city is Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Um, and, uh, and the impact of that city is when uh, it was my first realization, you know, even as a person, as a friend and getting to know people that uh, I didn't really know. I could, you know, certainly understand that there was an impact that some of the works that I had done had touched people. But, you know, really when I was in front of in a booth and, you know, 10,000 people that don't speak English are singing along to a song that you wrote, you know, I was just like, and then the way they, they showed it, not their appreciation of the song, the appreciation of all that embodies it. And right. so I felt like at that point I was adopted as a New York, as a New York, you know, uh, uh, citizen of Brazil. And then from then on, I did have other experiences, but I just, you know, doing songs for the Cover Girls and doing songs, you know, for Latin Rascals and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I have never been given anything, uh, you know, at least from my view, you know, all I could see with the love that was out there. And I, I, don't, know, I don't know what a hater means because I'm not looking for them. And even if one came up to my face, I'd just be like, you have the right to your own opinion. Right. And, but I would not give it any more time. Right, but, time or thought. But Rio de Janeiro is just one of the most fantastic places on earth. Um, you know, as far as like, you know, the climate is concerned, the energy of your people, and also the willingness, the Brazilian people to dance, to want to dance. Right. And I would be DJing on a dance floor where you would be going to like multi-economic levels where somebody paid $200 to go get mm -hmm. a ticket to go inside and was dressed up in Prada. Nothing wrong with that. It's your clothes, it's your money. But then you can see somebody who waited online for five hours to get the, the five reality ticket. All they had to do is wait online and they had no shoes on. Right, right. They're dancing their heart out next to the person who had the Prada. And so basically, what does that mean? That means that on the dance floor, we are all one. And that is when I realized that, you know, music has that much power, such, such an impactful role, right. if you'd like it to be, if you true. Right. You know? That's true. Now, so with that, would you say that Brazil would be where your most memorable show, your favorite show was or somewhere? Yeah, else? I mean, I, I think that, you know, <laughs> uh, I, I <laughs> I think that Brazil was my coming out to myself. It just really, we, so now we're talking about Tony, you know, Tony Moran, you know, going into his later thirties and just trying to figure out what to do. And, and then, uh, then these DJing opportunities came for me to play as Tony Moran, the producer that has worked on all these multiple hits. It wasn't what I was trying to do while I was doing them. I didn't have time to DJ. You have to be awake when you're producing share. I can't mm -hmm. go in there and say, oh, my God, I just came from Sao Paulo. It's like, it's been a rough <laughs> night. You know, light up a cigarette and I make a wait. No, you got to be on. Right. And so, uh, so you know, I didn't have the luxury of travel outside of going someplace that's nearby me. Um, so when it finally happened and I had already probably had worked on, like, maybe, like, my 70th or 80th number one dance song affiliated to my remixing, and people were like, you need to go out there and play these songs you, yourself that mm -hmm. people want to see you play it. And so that's when I started doing Winter Party in Miami. And then I started doing, you know, different gay pride parties as well as other parties that were not gay, where 
um, where it was the DJ was such a the reason, you know, right. and, and then you know, but Brazil just made me just realize like what that can do to make your day, you know. So, so what what would your favorite song be then? Is it one that you played? Is it one that you sing? Is it one you know that you listen to? Uh, what would you classify as your favorite song? Um, probably Live You All Over Again, Live You All Over Again by Deborah Cooper. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, prior to that, I was a songwriter that used things that were on my mind and maybe used like, you know, uh, snippets of experience or of loss or, you know, accomplishment or something put into a song. But that's when I wrote like a straight up like song that I really messed us up. Mm-hmm. And I just wrote about it with um, also legendary songwriter Cara Diaguardi that has written for so many superstars. And she wrote that song with me and she wrote like, you know, several other songs. We did the number one song in the UK together with, the, you know, London Symphony Orchestra, you know. Uh, um, but that song has so much impact on me because every time I hear somebody else play it or remix it and almost on every like circuit related set, in mm-hmm. any country around the world, I'll hear one of the DJs play it and I relive a song called The Real Over Again. And That's I, great. I don't relive the relationship. I just relive like what, what, how much I expose myself to and, you know, and then convey that to, you know, legendary artists, uh, you know, uh, um, Deborah Cooper. And I didn't walk away with falling into that same category in Easy's Life for some reason. I wasn't meant to produce divas you know, right, my right. and all these people, it was just something that's like, look, my heart is just not big enough to express how I want you to sing it in song. Well, we got two, we, we got two minutes left. So I'm going to get the last question. And what about your favorite food on the road? My favorite food is a straight up dry hamburger because I feel <laughs> like I can't mess my stomach up with something that is, whether it's, you know, uh, whether it's made out of all preservatives or it's actually real meat that it can't do much damage. It's a convenience food for me. Well, that makes sense. Totally makes sense. So, well, Mr. Moran, we're we're just about out of time. It went by fast, like I said, it normally does. Exactly. So, um, real pleasure. And then, very, uh, very quick, I just want to say, you know, thank you. And and if you could just quickly just say, I mean, you know, the COVID thing, how it affected how it affected you, and and now you've been able to go back out on the road. So that's a good positive thing with everybody, I believe. Yes. Yes, it has. I mean, for, for me, you know, I was ready for the world to decide when they were ready. And I said that I'm ready when you are. Mm-hmm. And so when these opportunities came with where a DJ has to, you know, accept an offer that two or three months in advance projecting on when people may do stuff. Right. And so my whole family got COVID with the exception of me. Oh, and my father passed away from it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so it was just like, it was so relevant to me, but it was also important for me to say that, you know, I want to be, I want to be back and, right. you know, let's just take care of each other and let's just do the best that we can. And we'll take it. And that's it. That's all we can do. So Tony, you stay there. I'm going to say goodbye to everybody. Thank you for, for joining us today. Next week, we'll be back with Amber and uh, everybody have a good week. My name is Troy Bronstein. Thanks for listening to the special Kings edition of Prince Among Queens. And we'll see everybody next week. Bye-bye. 
Thank you for listening to Prince Among Queens. Be sure to join host Troy Bronstein for another great episode next Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, enjoy your week.